0: Hey everybody. This is the Steg Drew Show, and I'm your host, Drew Stegmeier. This show is new, evolving and finding itself. We don't yet know what it will turn out to be. And that's exciting. I believe the world has a current civility deficit, and with this endeavor, I'll be exploring tough and taboo topics with compassion and civility so you can do the same with your friends, family and coworkers. Hey, folks, this one was a banger with my good friend, Paul McNeil. Paul's known online as the crypto curator, and he has been in the crypto space, which he now refers to as digital assets for, if I'm not mistaken, 12 years now. And we get into all sorts of things. If you're familiar with Bitcoin or if you're not familiar with Bitcoin, it's something I'm trying to grok. And I go over all of the basics with Paul. We also talk about such esoteric concepts as the LGBTQ movement. Paul happens to be gay. We talk about vaccines and conspiratorial thinking. And how people can better get along with one another. This is not investment advice. This is not fucking investment advice. I just wanted to let you guys know that hey folks this episode is sponsored by online story hour pride this event is free for pride month you may pay up to 50 dollars on a sliding scale if you wish to donate to the story collider my friend and future guest jamie banks is featured on the story i hope you enjoy it you can go to storycollider.org, and the story is also available in an iOS app. And again, that story is free for this month. I hope you like it. What is up, Paul? What is up?
1: Not much, man. Uh, just the Bitcoin conference, but <laughs>
0: that's about it. So the housekeeping bit, and in, in the editing, I'll add this before the episode, but... um. One of the things we're going to talk about today is people who are bi. And mm-hmm. this episode is actually sponsored by a friend of mine who is a trans man who said, Hey, I would like the sponsorship to go during Pride Month. And I was like, Okay, cool. Uh, just let me know when Pride Month is and I'll set that up. <laughs> and it's like, Oh, that is right now. And I was like, Oh, perfect. I'm filming yeah. at News 30 with my friend who happens to be gay, so this is like, a <laughs> boom. Um, <laughs> so, I think, uh, for those who don't know, uh, Paul is the crypto curator. I've known Paul for eight years now. We met in the wow. summer of 2013 when I was in college. Um, so, before we dive into all things crypto, let's talk about people who are bi. And so we talked about this a little bit before, but in terms of the LGBTQ and any letters that I'm missing, sorry to the social justice warriors out there. But the B part of that it is kind of like pansexual. We can get into the nuance of bi versus pansexual, but it's uh the group that takes everything off the menu. They go to the topest place and they're like, I'll have all of it. So I'd love to hear from you your thoughts about why people who are bi do not get the attention that they deserve relative to other queer folk.
1: You know, to be honest, I just don't think they're that vocal. Um, it's been very interesting. I've recently have found several people around me are actually bi and I didn't know it. Um, they seem to be, again, using a metaphor, I was in the nuclear submarine service, we call ourselves so the silent service. Uh, I think that the B of this whole equation, they're, they're the silent service. They, they, they just sort of keep to themselves. And I don't know if that's because of stigma, social stigma that creates that. But recently there was a couple of news articles where there have been a couple people, notable, you know, famous people that came out that were by. and I found that it was interesting that it came and went. Nothing ever happened. Nothing was said. There was no movement. There was no marching down the streets or, you know, it
0: was just like, was okay with it so i'm Mm. not exactly sure why they're so quiet and so would you like them to be less quiet
1: uh no i don't just think they necessarily need to be less quiet uh same thing goes for the entire you know lgbt movement i don't think that uh any any one group needs to be super vocal or super quiet i just it was something that i just happened to notice that After thinking about it a little bit, I was like, "Hmm." you know, you really don't hear many people talk about the fact that they're bi. I think it's out there. It's sort of an unspoken thing. But it, it exists.
0: Yeah. Well, and I guess to reflect on history a little bit. So one thing from my understanding of the gay movement is that I personally think the government has no business who I'm in relationship with. But by giving financial incentives, they made it their business. And that business was not available to people until some laws changed. Right. So they brought it into their court. And I guess I would suspect that a lot of people who are bi can have traditional looking marriages. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I don't know anything about this, but because that is available, let's say there's a non-zero amount of people who were by who got marriages that were recognized by the state, no mm-hmm. pun intended, mm-hmm. despite being bisexual. So it didn't have to be as much of a crusade. Whereas if it's male, male, female, female, the government was like, no, no benefits for you. Correct. No, I I, I think you I think you're so true, and like I said, I'm
1: definitely encouraged. You know, definitely bringing on some guests that that are by because you hear straight from the horses' mouth, so to speak. But again, rather they, I think that they have a, a a stronger struggle, so to speak, because I don't know how they reconcile ultimately which side because they do have like you said that topless place that smorgasbord at some point I would assume some would want to settle down so which do you settle down with uh and I think that that's something that you know again it's a spectrum
0: yeah yeah it's a spectrum I mean I don't know a lot of bi folks I know one example where a friend of mine um had a live-in boyfriend and the boyfriend previously had a girlfriend Mm. um so that was that was new for me and um yeah it's interesting so that's probably a good segue into this larger idea of live and let live right or love and let love so you're into some pretty radical things and one of them is that I don't I don't want to get this wrong but (laughs) you're friends with people who don't vote for the same person as you correct that's fucking nuts, man.
1: <laughs> it is, and I don't necessarily like necessarily living in an you know the echo chamber or living in a vacuum, as they call it. You know, listen. So I guess let me go back a little bit to bring things up to speed. So I come from a very diverse family. Man, um, you had that conversation. My brother voted for Trump. <laughs> He's a huge wow. Trump supporter, which <laughs> still I don't know how that happened, but it did. Uh, in, in my family, not only politically are we diverse, but we're diverse when it comes to race. Um, most of my brothers have married outside of the race, uh, Hispanics, Caucasians. Uh, we don't have any Asian people, but I'm assuming maybe one of those will make entry some point. But the reality is <laughs> that a lot of my nieces and nephews are what most people refer to as mulatto, right? They're all mixed kids. Rarely are any of them just all black. So uh, I have that diversity. And then high school, I eventually went into the military, and that put me in a huge diverse pool of people from every walk of life, every religious persuasion, every uh, economic persuasion. I mean, you just name it, right? And so I've learned that I happen to become friends with people that have just different views than
0: I do, and uh, it served me well. So you find out that they didn't vote for the same person as you and you don't block them?
1: No, no, no. This is, a, this is the thing that I always have. And it's sort of a Medea statement, right? If I tell somebody, you see that thing you're doing right there? If you keep doing it, that's gonna cause a problem, right? And so unless they are really causing me heartache and problems or they're trying to intentionally be you know, malicious, then they got to go. Otherwise, I don't
0: care. They can think what they want to think. I think what I want to think. We're good. So let's unpack that a bit because I suspect that view is somewhat unique in that a lot of people I see think that if you voted for Donald Trump, you're going to kill all the blacks, right? (laughs) And and you laugh, but I think there's a non-zero amount of people who have that belief. So how how are you able to not have that belief?
1: Yeah. So when it comes to people who vote for Trump,
0: and again, I think that
1: we like to. And, and so let me let me put this statement. I think I think it's critical at this point. In complex situations, and this is definitely a complex one, but in complex situations, broad generalizations and categorizations are dangerous. Right. It's not all and it's not none. It's some. And so, yes, some of Trump supporters probably do think that way, but there are some Trump supporters that don't. My brother don't think they're going to kill it. He wants to kill the, the Trump supporter. So you can't bucket everyone into the bucket and say, you're all Trump supporters, therefore you all believe X. That's not true. There's a huge range of what people believe. And the super radical Trump supporters, yeah, we probably are not going to be friends, but everybody that's they happen to like his policies. Okay, I can deal with you.
0: So some of the supporters are more radical than others?
1: I think they are. I mean, anybody that's going down the freeway in a truck with flags and then they're trying to run a bus off the road that has another political party in it. I think that's pretty radical. That's pretty crazy. My brother would not be one of them.
0: (laughs) Got it, got it. Yeah, because there's this other phrase, um, you know, these, these hot topics of the culture war, um, ACAB. Do you know what this ACAB thing means? Never heard of ACAB. It means all cops are bastards. Oof. So Oof. the first word is all, right? Um, how can you be so sure that it's all? Or how can you be so sure that it's not all, right? You seem pretty confident that not everyone who disagrees with you is a complete idiot. How can right. you be so sure?
1: I can be sure because, again, so uh there's this whole philosophy as you look at people right it, it, as a matter of fact it just happened on twitter not too long ago uh don't watch what they say watch what they do and so a trump supporter who might be jawjacking and all vocal about stuff mm-hmm. meanwhile if you look at their life and what they're doing it's like wait a minute you don't really agree with all that crazy stuff you're just talking that crazy yeah. stuff because in reality you're married to a black person <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> well
1: (laughs) that's a problem
0: (laughs) i think i think that's a good segue and um we'll shift gears to crypto a little bit and and we'll really get into the weeds about that but sure you mentioned don't watch what people say watch what people do so there's this whole elon musk scandal for lack of a better word where he's manipulating the crypto markets and making the prices of assets go up and down um and there's this investing adage, right? Don't give me investing advice. Show me your portfolio. So as far as I understand, he's saying all this stuff. He's talking smack, but Tesla has not sold a single Bitcoin. So r- riddle me this, Batman. What What's going on with that? Elon is chief, uh, what do you
1: call him? Troller of them all. Listen, Elon, I think, is just having a Ball right now because he knows within the crypto community that people like he could poke them in the side and they're going to like lose it right and he does it daily because i think he enjoys it in addition i think elon musk loves poking at the sec guess what sec can't do no regulation over the crypto so he can say whatever he wants he can manipulate this market however he wants and guess what nothing they can do about it Now they got on him about playing with the markets and saying stuff that he wasn't supposed to. And I think he's really upset. As a matter of fact, if you remember the interview with Elon Musk, someone brought up something about the SEC. And if you look at the look on his face, oh man, you talk about some hate and disdain. He was not a happy camper. So I think he's having a lot of fun. The thing the Bitcoin community must do, and someone said it earlier, ignore Elon Musk. Stop giving the guy
0: attention, just ignore him. He will go away. So to circle back to the SEC thing a bit, as far as I understand the, the big fuss or the big stink, if you will, this was probably a few years ago on Twitter was that his tweets were considered market manipulation. So that gets into this whole idea of free speech, right? And is someone's personal Twitter representative of the company that they may or may not be a part of. And what's your take on that? Like if I'm a CEO and I have Twitter, do my tweets all represent the company? Yes,
1: because not all of your tweets. Again, that's that all and none and some. So some of his tweets do. If you come out and you say, oh, I think I'm going to take Tesla public tomorrow. That's a problem. Elon, you can't say that. That's not the stuff that you say in public. Or you can't come out and say, yeah, I think my stock's it's too much. It's, 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 it's overvalued right now. Elon, you're the CEO. You can't say that stuff on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess legislation is reactive. So we found out he couldn't say that because he said it. And then, then they acted. So, okay. A, a, a couple of things, just starting from a, tell it to me, like I'm five mindset. Okay. This whole crypto thing, I have people in my family, my friends, that are not into crypto. And I think language is really important, right? There's a quote from Ludwig Wittgenstein, the limits of my language are the limits of my world, right? So when I say this word crypto, what does that mean to you? You are the crypto curator.
1: Yeah, and it's a little um, misleading and it's a little unfortunate. Actually, it was Rick Edelman. I was at the Digital Asset Strategy Summit in Dallas two years ago, and Rick Edelman said, "Guys, I think we need to lose the term crypto. We need to say digital assets." And That's what I felt. huh?
0: This was a few years ago,
1: Jeff. Yeah, two two years ago. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. He I'm said we need. Same. Yeah. Crypto. He said we we need to lose crypto and we need to shift to digital assets, and I agree with him on that because not everything is. Uh, and crypto, meaning cryptography, right? It's Everything is not a heavily encrypted type of a process. So um, when I say crypto and the reason I picked it up is really because it does. It's easy. It rolls off the tongue. Uh, I did get the website Digital Asset HQ uh, because I was going to shift to Digital Asset HQ, but because I've got so much brand recognition behind the crypto curator, I kept it. Still might eventually make that shift at some point, but it's really digital assets are what we're looking at, not necessarily all cryptocurrency because cryptocurrency, not every asset is actually a currency. So there's a lot of nuances. So crypto, it rolls easy, sounds good, but it's really digital assets.
0: Okay, so if I understood correctly, crypto is this umbrella term that basically has so many different meanings that it has lost its meaning. Right? Maybe at one point it meant something specific, or maybe it's short form for cryptocurrencies, cryptography, right? Cryptography.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now, because so many people think it means different things, it's kind of like a dead word, right? Yeah.
1: And, and not to get religious, but it's the same problem we have with religion. God god okay well in the bible god had different names but no one ever calls them those names because they're not intelligent enough and they haven't done the research and they don't understand back in the day people didn't just say god right they had terms there were so many gods which god are you talking about crypto which crypto are you talking about you know and that's the problem is that you're using a very broad general term for something that yeah you can't define okay
0: okay So let's just ax that from my vocabulary. I'm I'm not going to say crypto. So um, I had a roommate in college who was taking a class on cryptography, which as far Mm -hmm. as I know was about encryption. It had nothing to do with cryptocurrencies. Correct. So digital assets, what does that word, what does that phrase mean to you? Digital
1: assets. Yeah. Digital assets. So, and I've said this before. I want to say before crypto came around, but I don't think it was before crypto. It was probably after crypto. But I did see a trend that we're developing. And that trend is is everything will be digitized. We're moving toward a digitized society. And everything that we're used to, it is getting digitized. Whether that's our art, it's getting digitized. Uh, Money, it's getting digitized. So digital assets means just that. It's a digital representation of value. And that's the way I look at it, a digital representation of value. People will say, Paul, we've well, had digital reputation of value for a long time. I understand this time it's a little different, though, because this digital representation of value can be programmable. So you have programmable digital assets of value, still incredibly complex to get your mind around it. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a chance to respond to that, but I can break that down some more to make it easier.
0: Yeah, and I think we're having a few connection hiccups, but let's just keep rolling. So sorry to anybody who missed that. Um, You said they're programmable assets. Is that right? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, programmable. And that's that's the difference is when all of a sudden you can now code value to say you can use this value for a specific reason, then I think that's amazing. Soon we're going to see this happen in the world. Let's just say the government wants to give you stimulus they can say we're going to give you $2000 with the stimulus however you must spend this money within the next 2 weeks or that money disappears programmable money we haven't had that before we've never been able to do something like that this is the velocity of money because they can say okay we can give you 2000 but you can't put it in a savings account you got to go spend it we need you spending the money to stimulate the economy
0: so yeah hmm. okay so I'm going to do a hard fork here because okay, that, that's a real head fuck. And yep. <laughs> it circles back to cancel culture, right? So yep. follow me on this thread because it'll be a little bit of a long one, but I, I think it'll tie together. Perfect. So one reason why I think cancel culture exists, right? Everyone knows what cancel culture is, but how did we get here? How does this happen, right? And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's what I would call the court of public opinion right Mm -hmm. there's the justice system then there's the court of public opinion and where that's interesting and how it relates to money the examples I give often are uh Bill Cosby and Michael Jackson right so these people did things um I don't actually know that either of them was proven guilty in a court of law maybe they have right I don't know but basically in the court of public opinion it was like you guys fucked up like you guys did some really bad shit right that's what i saw swirling around in the zeitgeist Mm -hmm. and where that gets really weird with money is the the obvious answer is look because cosby and michael jackson did these reprehensible things that doesn't mean the music's suddenly bad it's great fucking music right? right that doesn't mean cosby's jokes aren't funny but where that gets really weird with money is the moment i give cosby a dollar right we don't know if that's going to a lawyer, if he's going to use it to buy roofies, or if he's going to use it to write more jokes, right? We, we can't decide. So I guess what I was hearing is basically what these digital assets allow is for people to airmark anything, right? It's kind of like when you give money to a homeless person, for example, a lot of people don't like giving money to homeless, but they like giving food, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in theory, you could give a digital asset to a homeless person that they could only exchange for food. Right? And my friend was up in Boston recently and he said, uh, and this is really crafty because often people will find someone on the street who is homeless and they'll say, oh, sorry, I don't have any cash. And the person had a cardboard sign that said they're Venmo. Right? Yeah. Everyone has a phone. <laughs> right. has cash. Well, here's my Venmo. What's your excuse now? What? What? R- right? Right. And guilt trip them, right? Or they get, they get them out of it. But I think th- this is a very slippery slope, right? Because it is. And, yeah. and,
1: and this is why, and this is so perfect. Yeah, Bitcoin. Bitcoin fixes this. Right, because there is no one who controls Bitcoin, the government doesn't, it's controlled by math, it's controlled by software, and that software dictates the rules and the operations of this digital asset. So, if you're someone who doesn't want your money manipulated by the government, you should own Bitcoin, because Bitcoin is none. It's, it's, it's the only decentralized, censorship-resistant technology on the planet, which means no one can stop it and governments have came out and acknowledged that we can't shut this down. So that's why we have Bitcoin.
0: That sounds like something Satoshi Nakamoto would say. Are you Satoshi? <laughs> How no, I actually
1: I'm not Satoshi. I would want to be Satoshi and I pray he never ever surfaces anywhere.
0: Who who is Satoshi Nakamoto? Sounds like a Japanese guy. No, but that, that's
1: what they thought, and they got some poor guy and had him on Time Magazine and just destroyed the poor guy's life. And that just showed you what would happen if you were Shitoshi Nakamoto. But no one knows. We think it's a group of people because here's what most people don't understand. This was being worked on well before 2008. There was HashCash by Hal Finney. There was BitGold by Nick Szabo. But here's the thing. You got to think about it. If these guys were working on that stuff before. They probably know what was going
0: on with Bitcoin. So they had some involvement, but they'll never say so. So what are your personal thoughts? So Satoshi Nakamoto is supposedly the creator of Bitcoin, right? Correct. My, my best guess, right? Uh, what I believe, and I am not my beliefs, right? I changed my mind. So for, for all those people that are like, well, Drew, in June 2021, you said this. Yeah, I changed my mind. Deal with it, okay? Um, I think Satoshi is likely a group of human beings. Yep. Do you you think the same?
1: I do, I I think it's a group of, either a group of human beings or a group of aliens and at this point, never know. But yeah, definitely a group of human beings.
0: Yeah, okay. So you mentioned digital assets being Mm -hmm. money Mm -hmm. is one, Mm -hmm. art is one, is that Mm -hmm. like what this whole NFT thing is? correct nfts is where it's and it's called non fungible
1: token so bitcoin is fungible which means you can trade bitcoin for bitcoin and it's always a bitcoin it's like a dollar for dollar is always a dollar even if a dollar came from a drug dealer from a dollar it came from a church it's still a dollar right okay. bitcoin is fungible like that nfts which is non fungible tokens means you have an identity for one specific item And this is where we're gonna start getting into digital identification. If every human being had their own, no matter where they go in the world, they could be identified, but it could be anonymous identification. All you know is that you represent a digital entity that's unique and no one else can be that identity,
0: which is great. That's, That's what the Corona vaccine was, right? I think it probably was. Oh, <laughs> Now you get deep. I, no, I, was, I was just saying that for shits, but it sounds like we stumbled into something. So, <laughs> spill the beans, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: But no, it's, it's, it's non fungible tokens is going to do a lot. And what we've seen is that the creative community have really adopted it. Artists. Look at Mark Cuban, he's going bananas over it because think about this now. This is a powerful example. So, Mark Cuban says, I own the Mavs, I own the Dallas Maverick Stadium. So, and this is the problem currently with ticket sales. Guess what? When he opens up the booth to sell tickets, I can come in and buy a hundred thousand tickets, and then I own those tickets. Now, I can start selling those tickets on the open market and I can mark those bad boys up. I can make a lot of money off the back of Mark Cuban. With NFTs, Mark Cuban can say, okay, we're going to issue a million of these tickets to the game. Now, all of a sudden, if you go to sell your ticket, I know you sold it. And I automatically get a cut of royalty off of the ticket you sold because it's now an NFT. How crafty is that?
0: So I want to stick with this thread for a minute because sure. oh, my head is exploding <laughs> right now because... I've never heard someone explain NFTs in this way. And so for for those who aren't in the know, NFT, again, is a non-fungible token. What I've mostly seen is people selling things like images and videos. And where I couldn't wrap my head around it was these things have infinite inventory. It's like, oh, I have a picture. And it's like, and everyone else has the same picture. So why is yours worth anything? Right? Right, right. And so I guess in, in that case, it's just Like um, some people have said it's like an art print.
1: Like, Mm -hmm. okay, there's
0: one Mona Lisa and maybe there's a bunch of Mona Lisa prints and each print has some value that's much less than the original. Um, And the value of something is just what someone's willing to pay, right? But a ticket could be digital, right? I already do airline tickets, like a mobile boarding pass. So you could Mm -hmm. have something like that and as far as I understand, what makes NFT special is that each time there is a sale, there is attribution to the creator. Yep. Bingo.
1: Bingo. That, that's the beauty of NFTs. And again, with NFTs, even it's really not unlimited because every NFT is a unique ID specific to that one. So let's say I make a thousand paintings and I give in the exact same painting, but I give each one of those paintings a different identification number. Well, you have one of a thousand, two of a thousand, three of a thousand. But you're unique in the fact that you have one of a thousand, two of a thousand, three of a thousand.
0: That's that's what I don't get, right? Because let's say you send me some digital painting. Can't I just do a screenshot and sell it to some idiot?
1: Actually, you can't, but this is where the NFT there's a digital QR code representation. If you sent me a copy of yours, Mm -hmm. you can't, for one, you can't send me a copy of an NFT because there's no such thing as copying an NFT. This is where it fixes the digital world. See, this is the problem we had in digital. That's why you can never have money on the internet because what's to stop us from just copying as much money as we want sending it all over the world? Because each dollar represents a unique code attached to it. So if you sent me a copy, Either one, it's not going to have a code on it, or two, well, two, you can't. It has to have a different code, which means it's a totally different piece of digital art. It's not the same. And that's what people have to understand is with NFTs, you have a unique representation. it's it's, it's really good in the luxury item space. So let's just say I'm a watchmaker. Mm -hmm. I can now give each one of my watches a passport, basically. So let's just say I have this watch. I bought it from somebody, Joe. Joe said, hey, this watch is authentic. How do I know it's authentic? Scan the QR code. That came from Joe who created this watch. Okay, I got this watch and all of a sudden I wanna sell it to somebody else. Joe can now look at the history on the blockchain and see who all owned that watch. It's amazing what you can do with this technology.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm smirking over here because uh, <laughs> to all the people who tried to explain this to me before, screw you, right? This is so easy. Um, tickets, a great example. It sounds to me like a VIN, right? It's like Ford makes a Ford focus. Okay. There's probably 10,000 red Ford focuses. Well, how do you tell them apart? Each one has a VIN. Yep. Right. And the VINs are tracked and you have to transfer titles. Now, in theory, you could sell somebody the car without transferring the title, which is technically illegal, but people do it anyways. Yep. Okay. Yep. Exactly. And then
1: here's, here's the other beautiful part about this technology. Let's just say now that that car, instead of having a VIN, it still have a VIN, but that VIN is attached on the blockchain, which means it's certified. Now, when that car goes to get sold, the title goes along with it. it there's no way to you sell that car to someone else without moving the title because it's all tracked digitally on the blockchain. And that's a part of the process. It can't happen unless the title goes with it. All of a sudden you eliminate this whole problem of, cars without titles or having multiple titles it goes away
0: you're you're, you're serving me up here, man so <laughs> what is what is blockchain right is this like a a chain with like heavy blocks and they build the pyramids or something
1: yeah so that's the beauty of the bitcoin white paper now everybody should understand that the bitcoin blockchain is what started this entire industry which is now massive at least 1.6 trillion dollars uh last i checked it probably can be even more than that. But the Bitcoin blockchain was the first, and that's what Shitoshi Nakamoto wrote, the white paper. It's about nine pages long. I highly recommend everybody go Google Bitcoin white paper or on YouTube, you can listen to it, it's out there. So in that paper, it never says blockchain anywhere. You can do a search, Alt F, find search for the word blockchain, you'll never find it. What you will find is it says a chain of blocks. Humans like to abbreviate, humans like to make things simple like we like to do with crypto. So they made it blockchain, there's no such thing. So what <laughs> to provide, which is ridiculous amount level of security, think of it like a jigsaw puzzle. Okay, if I create the first piece, which is the first block with a bunch of transactions and information in it, now let's just say I want to make another block. I can attach that block to the first block, but I'm going to take a piece of the first block to make the second block. So that little jigsaw puzzle piece with the little swivelly line that goes inside, that links it. Then when I make the third block, it's going to have a piece of the second block, which has a piece of the first block. And as this chain gets longer and longer, it becomes more and more expensive and more difficult to break, to tamper with, to mess with. You've got, I mean, and now the Bitcoin blockchain is 12 years old. This thing would take billions upon billions of dollars to break the security of that chain. It'll never happen. It's super secure.
0: The Chinese have billions and billions, though.
1: Yeah. Willing to throw away billions. And here's the beauty of this. So everybody, listen, whatever you do, go find a guy online. His name is Andreas Antonopoulos. Andreas Antonopoulos. He's a genius to explain this. But what he says is, let's say the Chinese government says we're going to attack the Bitcoin blockchain to destroy it. You get one chance to do that. And it costs you billions of dollars to do it. You get one chance. By the time it's recognized that you've tampered with the blockchain, we immediately hard fork. That new chain becomes Bitcoin. Your chain becomes worthless. We keep running. No problem.
0: But what does hard fork mean? Hard fork means that
1: so, Bitcoin blockchain is run off of what's called a consensus protocol. It's called consensus protocol. It runs on what's called proof of work. In order to make this happen, you need miners and you need nodes and you got to have developers.
0: You got to be developers, under miners, nodes. What was that again? Got to be under 18. No. Miners? <laughs> okay, so miners. So,
1: miners is someone who's running a computer like an ASIC. ASIC is uh, 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 application-specific integrated circuit chip. That's what ASIC stands for, application-specific, because it's a specific application that you're doing with Bitcoin mining. So if you run this computer, which really you're not doing anything, you plug it into the internet you keep it cool, you provide power to it, you're good, you're in business. This little box will solve problems or puzzles, they call them, on the blockchain. And if it does it properly, it gets rewarded with Bitcoin. And that's how you get Bitcoin into the system. And I know that's incredibly complicated. And it's all crazy. But the point is, is that you have to have these three people, miners, nodes, and developers to make a change to the Bitcoin blockchain. So the Chinese comes in or any country comes in. Try. Once all the developers and miners and everybody recognizes it, they then create a fork of that software. So they take a copy of the software basically, and they make the announcement. Everybody, the original chain, it's been compromised. You need to now upgrade and go to the new chain. And I'll give you an example of what this is like. Um, Let's say all of a sudden you're a hacker and you find an exploit in Windows 7. And you say, you know what, ha ha, I'm gonna break into computers. Microsoft gets wind of it. And what does Microsoft tell you? Sorry. No, Microsoft sends you an update on your computer and said, hey, you need to do this update because we have some bad actors out there and they're going to try and break in your computer. So uh, do this update and it's going to keep you protected, right? Oh, right. Once everybody does that, the hackers are locked out. So that's what happens with the Bitcoin blockchain. The programmers tells all the miners, there's a problem with the original chain, go over and mine this new chain, download this new software and run it. And now we're off and running. Chinese can have the worthless chain, the, the new chain.
0: Okay. So let me try to break this down for a minute and sure. um I do have a I have an article on my website called how to validate right awesome. so what does it mean to validate um it basically means for me to explain why what you said makes sense in my words right cuz i yep. could say yeah i get it but that only means i have an understanding which might be different from your understanding and I could mirror you, right? I could repeat it back, but that just implies hearing. That doesn't imply comprehension, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. let me try to explain this back to you. And I guess you could call this the Feynman technique, right? Richard Feynman, to know something, teach it. Yep. And correct me if I mess this up. So okay. a blockchain essentially is like a giant history of all of the things that happen, right? And it's not only that, it is what I've heard it as a decentralized digital ledger. So basically, uh, let's say there's a history, but all the people have a copy of this history or many people, right? All of the Mm -hmm. nodes have a copy of the history and the value of the copy is basically denoted by how many people agree upon it as the source of truth,
1: Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. in
0: some sense, the value comes from the network saying, hey, this is what is true, right? Mm -hmm. And the network can decide what is true, right? Uh, Or can agree upon what is true. So maybe this sounds a little bit hairy, but um, Ethereum is another cryptocurrency. And my understanding is that there's a lot of young developers who are getting into Ethereum now. Some people are more bullish on it than Bitcoin. But one of the potential drawbacks is that And I didn't grok this until you explained this, literally right now. So Ethereum had some sort of hack, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this hack occurs, I think it was a hack on the DAO, right? Am I saying Mm -hmm. this right? Mm -hmm. It was a hack on the DAO, which is some acronym. I don't know what it means, but some shit got hacked.
1: No, Decentralized
0: Autonomous Organization. Okay. So the DAO gets hacked. And then where Bitcoin is different is you said, okay, the community, right? The network can say, we've been hacked, and they basically, Mm -hmm. in some sense, vote, right? Mm -hmm. Go Mm -hmm. a different way. Mm -hmm. And where Ethereum is different is they get hacked, and the community didn't vote. It was a centralized decision. So it's kind of like, I don't know if it's akin to, I'm trying to find a metaphor here, I'm fishing around, like um, the United States gets attacked, right? And the president declares war, but the Congress has to approve the funds, Bingo. right? So in some sense, I don't know that there's like a president of Bitcoin, so to speak, but Bitcoin is like, all of the nodes are like Congress where it's like, yeah, we're at war, but you won't get any tanks, right? You won't get any supplies. Whereas mm-hmm. with Ethereum, with the Dow, what happened was there was an attack and basically the, the president or founder, if you will, or a small group of people decided to make this decision. And some people see that as a as a weak point, and I just um, I just recently heard of this this crypto idea from uh, from my buddy Sarav. Shout out to Sarav, he's in New York, and uh, he was like, "Oh, there's this thing called a wrench attack." And I'm like, "Wrench attack? Five
1: dollar wrench attack? Yep."
0: Like, what is this? It's like, well, in in any system, any digital system, the human is the weak point, right? So, you know, you can have your password as I don't know, like walt whitman's biography in mandarin right like super duper unbreakable password and someone just comes up to you and starts beating you with a wrench like give me your password and then then you give it up so how do you protect against a wrench attack
1: you have to conceal your identity you don't talk a lot you don't put yourself out there because if they don't know who you are they can't come attack you right
0: okay so this this is going to circle back to elon musk because I think he plays this fucking 7D zany chess, okay? So, <laughs> right. and, and Matt Levine was writing about this in his newsletter. He was saying, like, if you had a magic machine where you could just make the value of stuff go up and down by saying Wingardium Leviosa, right? Boom, billions of dollars move. Um, so Elon has that machine, right? This is not fantasy. Right. He literally does this. But what we don't know is if he is making these swings and then anonymously purchasing stuff based on the swings. Right. You, do you think that's happening?
1: It, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, right? It wouldn't surprise me that Elon has an incentive to knock the price down so he can buy more Bitcoin at a lower price. If I was Elon, I had the power. I, I don't know if I would necessarily do it, but you know, I'm sure there's, there, there's a reason why he would want to do that. Uh, I can understand it. And if, if the market allows you to do it and you can do it and it's okay and it's legal. Okay.
0: Maybe. Okay. So, uh, here's where I want to go next. Okay. Um, first, I, I want to just destroy Bitcoin. There, there's a, I'll, I guess it's a, a reasoning technique if I understood. Mm-hmm. And I just learned this. So, um, have you heard of like a straw man, steel man? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's a straw man and the steel man. Well, there's actually more men. There's the straw man, which is like misconstruing someone's argument. There's the weak mm-hmm. man, which is picking out the weakest point. And then there's the a exactly. man, which is just completely getting it all wrong and wrecking it. Okay.
1: Gotcha.
0: Then there's a the steel man, which is basically picking the strongest point of the argument. Then the titanium man mm-hmm. is shedding the argument in the best light and adding more and adding more mm-hmm. and shout out to Ryan I want to say it's Nakade sorry if I'm fucking up your name but it's N-A-K-A-D-E okay So we'll start by destroying Bitcoin so straw man it weak man it hollow man it just tell me why no one should ever buy Bitcoin and Bitcoin is stupid and it's killing the planet wait
1: I, I don't know if I can do like that it. I, I I don't think it's even possible. All right.
0: because Do you want me to play yeah. devil's advocate here? Yes, you can play devil's advocate. Please, that's a good one. Okay, so so here's the thing. I heard recently. Um, it's a little bit hard for me to do, right? Because I'm, right. I'm I I do own some crypto. I don't have a I don't have a Bitcoin. I have fractions right. of a coin. So if anybody wants to support the show, like I will accept Bitcoin. There
1: uh, you go.
0: Yes. So. Someone said to me that, oh, Bitcoin doesn't have value because it's valued in dollars. Okay. So if Bitcoin is valued in dollars, why wouldn't I just use dollars instead?
1: Because you're not buying Bitcoin because it has value in dollars, you're buying Bitcoin because it's a decentralized censorship resistant technology that allows you to have control over your money whereas with dollars you don't control that you, there's nothing you can do the government controls that money and they're the ones that get to dictate what you can and cannot do with it and how you can spend it where you can do it. and they're inflating it away so they're making it go down in value every day by printing more money that's not the case with bitcoin bitcoin
0: is
1: all over me so while bitcoin is value, while bitcoin is denominated in dollar terms one Bitcoin is always one Bitcoin, and that's where we're ultimately going toward the Bitcoin standard instead of the dollar standard.
0: But, And so you said there's 21 million Bitcoins, right? That's
1: 21 million Bitcoin now, but but then within 21 million Bitcoin, there is 2.1 quadrillion Shatoshis. So each Bitcoin has 100 million Shatoshis in it.
0: Oh, Sat. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sat okay oh, oh. i
1: love it i would use that oh sad. <laughs> yeah instead of
0: the s word we don't we don't curse on this show <laughs> That's sure. oh, sad. Was, was the demon um okay but doesn't bitcoin go up and down in price all the time
1: yes it does but what's really happening i learned this from my good friend mark yusko is that it's not bitcoin going up and down in value it's not down in value it's not oh. bitcoin yeah, it's dollars because because dollars, as a matter of fact, this year alone, they've printed more money than the money that's been in existence since I think the dollar's been around or something like that. It's some ridiculous number. So if you do that, you're devaluing the dollar every day you print more dollars because supply and demand. If there's more supply and less demand, number has to come down, right? And so with the dollar, its value, purchasing power has been decreasing because they say it's inflation. Jeff Booth did an amazing podcast. Everyone should listen to it with Anthony Pompliano, how inflation is stealing your money. Google it, search it, look for it. But that's what's happening is your dollars are getting inflated away and the purchasing power is nothing.
0: Okay. So this is um, this is gonna ruffle some some feathers. That's okay. It's, okay. uh, it's, a, it's a scary thing for me to believe okay I'm, I'm in a little investing club it's run by a group called the 277 Institute hope I'm not messing okay. it up and in the group um, I'm a newbie right I'm a newbie when it comes to this stuff and I have a bad habit of uh, imposter syndrome and then also not knowing how much I know and not knowing how much I don't know right I'm really mm-hmm. ignorant about myself how others perceive me etc am i handsome Mm -hmm. am i ugly am i smart am i stupid who knows probably both so i got crypto and and this is it feels kind of scary for me to say out loud like i would say i'm uh i have to say a lot of caveats here because i'm nervous right Right. i'm a proud american in the sense Mm -hmm. that i think from one perspective we are the greatest country on this earth right and from another perspective why a lot of people are hating on america right now that are americans are because we can and need to be better. Right. We are not self-actualized. We are not living up to our potential. We are punching below our weight. Mm -hmm. Sure. We're better than some people, right? It's, it's like Logan Paul, Floyd Mayweather, you know, it's like Logan Paul is super huge, but he doesn't know boxing. Mm -hmm. Right. Floyd Mayweather is a defensive specialist. He is a mastermind. Right. Mm -hmm. So and as far as I understand, in the year 1971, the U.S. dollar became fiat. So mm-hmm. fiat, and I, and I shared this, sh- this shitty joke with you a couple months ago. It's like, <laughs> have you guys heard of this uh, automaker <laughs> who came out with an altcoin? It's called fiat. I'm, I'm not buying it. But uh, fiat <laughs> basically this currency you can print as much as you want, right? Yep. And as far as I understand, the Fed was created... And this is a little bit conspiratorial, if you will. But the Fed was created based on meetings at Jekyll Island, which is an island off the coast of the southern United States, roughly 100 years ago. And it was a meeting of people in the private sector who basically created a government entity. That was the result of of some of those meetings. And so basically, the central banks get the ability to print money as a result of this meeting. Okay. Well, that was fucking cool because everything was backed by gold you know fort knox etc until 1971 and then in 1971 we removed the gold standard which basically means our money is fiat and i understand fiat to mean the value is what we believe right so as long as everybody believes it we're okay right yep. but if we don't believe it oh shit right and right. uh I have a, there's a, there's some cool stories about hyperinflation, but as far as I understand, all fiat currencies in history have become hyperinflated except for the U S dollar. Tick, 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 tick. That's right. That's right. Tick, tick, uh, tick, tick. So with that said, it is just from a first principles mindset. It is not fundamentally sound.
1: Correct.
0: Right. And, And I have this joke with my girlfriend, um, She'll say like, oh, like, let's make a bet. And I said, okay, I'll pay you a trillion Zimbabwe dollars, right? <laughs> and, and there were times in Zimbabwe where people were going to the grocery store with wheelbarrows of money because it was yeah. so inflated. Yep. Um, and so I'm just doing some napkin math over here. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like most of the money that's ever been made was printed in one year. We've existed yep. for a lot of years. How does yep. this work? The answer yep. is that it doesn't. It doesn't. It is unstable, right? It's like a house of cards. And um, so I was like, oh God, oh God, I'm scared, I'm scared. And I was like, okay, time to talk to Paul, time to buy this crypto stuff. Talk to Paul, talk to Paul. Okay, I got some of this crypto stuff and I'm still terrified, right? (laughs) Because I don't know how to convince people that this crypto stuff, I'm saying that crypto word again, which is bad. It should be digital assets. Right. Right, I don't know how to convince people that this is the safer thing. And I saw a guy, um, God, I don't remember his name. I want to say this was on Lex Friedman's podcast, who said something along the lines of what if you had the chance to draft Jordan and LeBron on the same team when they were 12, right? Mm -hmm, It'd be like, okay, they're children. Yeah. But they are the two greatest players ever. right? Right. Wait till they're 20. You know, you'll look like a genius. And I think that's where we are now with digital assets. Yep. Would you say that's somewhat accurate? I think it's very accurate. And there was an article that
1: I had on my website the other day where the mayor of Miami, uh, Francis Revis,
0: said,
1: He got off zero with Bitcoin when he saw the government print $1.9 trillion stimulus. He was like, okay, that's it for me. I'm done, I'm out of here, I'm going to Bitcoin. And so I think this is what people are gonna understand is that if you understand what's going on with the US dollar and inflation and and policy, you're gonna make the same determination. That is, Michael Saylor said the same thing. I can't find anywhere to put cash where it's not gonna get inflated away or it's already hyperinflated already in stock market, real estate, yeah,
0: bonds. It's, it's horrible. So wh- why this is terrifying, right, is um, there's that Michael Lewis movie from the the 2008 crisis. I don't know if it's Flash Boys or some other one with, with Steve Carell. I forget the name of it, but um, I think there's a moment in the movie where the guy has this come to Jesus moment where he's like, oh, um, I'm betting against the United States economy. And if I'm right, I'm one of the richest people on the planet. And so it's like, okay, he wants to be rich, but if he's right, that's a terrifying thought. And you have a person who is the mayor of, as as far as I understand Miami, to put things in perspective, Miami is the financial hub of South America, right? People come from South America to do business in Miami. It's like the New York for South and Central America. And it is a huge, hustling, bustling city. And a bunch of people from Silicon Valley are moving there. And you basically have the mayor of the hottest city in the country right now is betting against the country that his city sits in. (laughs) That's not a joke.
1: <laughs> uh, I wish that was <laughs> That is not a joke. That is dead serious. And that should it should wake people up.
0: It should wake people up. Yeah. So okay. Um how else can we shit on Bitcoin? Uh, <laughs> what, what...
1: You know, it's 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 gonna be hard to find a counter argument to Bitcoin that stands. Think about this again whoever Shitoshi Nakamoto is, mm-hmm. they did not come up with this concept in, in a couple months. They didn't write up a white paper, say, let's, let's go do this thing, it's gonna work. Look at how resilient this is. It had to have taken years upon years, if not decades of work to get to where we are to build something that's this resilient. It just doesn't happen with a guy coming out of a laboratory going, I
0: found the answer. Well, so I, I guess, uh, a thing I'm concerned about, I think some others are concerned about is uh, there's this idea that Bitcoin is digital gold, right? Yeah. gold is a bad currency, right? Let's say it's a good asset. It's a good storage of value, but it's a bad currency because it's heavy. The shit's yeah. heavy, you know, and there are stories of like, oh, someone's asleep and your buddy jerks your chain off your neck, has your gold, right? Mm-hmm. So the functions of money, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I, I think there's three or four. It's like a unit of account exchange of uh, means of exchange and storage of value, right? And mm-hmm. is, there, is there a fourth? Uh, technically,
1: it is, according to Andreas Antonopoulos, system of control. So everything starts out of store of value, moves to medium of exchange, then goes to unit of account, and then system of control is the last sort of property. And that's where the fight really begins.
0: Okay. So as far as I know, it's really hard to exchange Bitcoins, right? That's, that's one of the knocks on Bitcoin, right? Some people say it's hard,
1: yes, but it's not really that hard. It's just that you just got to understand how, but yeah.
0: So it's it's one of those things like in, oh shit. I mean, this, this circles back to when we met, right? It was in 2013. I was working on a startup that helped people pay for drinks on their smartphones yep. at bars, right? Yep. And yep. at that time, everybody had their phones, right? And It was impossible. Our startup failed. There were 15 other startups in the US doing the exact same thing and they all failed. They couldn't get traction. And what I learned was that it wasn't a technology problem. The technology existed. It was a technology adoption problem. And we have the same thing kind of happening now. And and Elon talks about that. And uh, I know you have a Tesla that there's this idea of people won't adopt it if it's a little bit better. It has to be orders of magnitude better, right? Mm -hmm. And so the issue at that time was beeping your phone was not much better than swiping your credit card. Right. And now we have a lot of digital ordering, right, mm-hmm. from afar. So you don't have mm-hmm. to be on site, you can be off site, order. I was just at Starbucks this morning with my buddy Jeff, and there was a woman standing next to us, and she was getting mad because she was waiting for her drink. And these people just kept coming in and grabbing drinks off the counter. And she was like, they were here much after me, right? They, they were here after me. And I was like, yes, yes, ma'am. Um, they actually ordered in advance online. That's why they're getting their drink first. <laughs> it's a real confusing situation, right? Because you go up and you're like, oh, looky here. And you walk right up to the barista. Yep. And you're sitting there and there's no one in the place and then 10 people come in and get their drink person it feels wrong.
1: That it's feels criminal.
0: criminal. Right? right? So it just um, it wasn't enough to just order and pay on your phone. Right. At location. You could do it from afar and then you're mm-hmm. waiting in line while you're in the car. Right. Right? So I guess how that ties into Bitcoin and exchanging it is it's not what I'd call idiot proof, right? There's just enough friction where people don't get it and by not getting it, there's this education period which might be a couple decades, right? I, I have no idea. I don't think anyone knows how long it will be. I just think we know it's not yet, right? And, and those and there's guesses, there's, there's hypotheses. So you think if I understand correctly that it's not particularly hard to transact in Bitcoin and I, and I guess the other piece why correct me if i'm wrong here but the reason why i understand there's not a lot of transacting in bitcoins you had this bitcoin pizza thing years ago um yep. bitcoin keeps going up in value so the people who have it and the people who understand it don't want to get rid of it that's why you're not yeah. seeing people transacting with it because it's just going up and, up and up and up but actually you are and this
1: is what's not communicated well see here in the u.s we have a we have a And that is is that we've got robust financial services and so it's easy for you to get money it's easy for you to go to the store buy stuff it's easy for you to do everything you have to do you get your paycheck direct deposited yada yada yada. Mm -hmm. fast forward and look at el salvador where those people they live off remittances from the us so people are here in the us and they send money back home to el salvador But the way those people have to get the money is that they have to travel two hours on a bus to get to a place where you can actually get the money from a Western Union or some money transmitter. And then you to truck your way back. Meanwhile, there's dangerous situations to go there and to get back. Here in the US, we don't have anything crazy like that, but in El Salvador, they do. So a guy named Jack Mallers created something called Lightning, well, he called Strike. It's built on the Lightning Network. Lightning Network is a layer two protocol That allows you to transfer Bitcoin really fast, really quick, like free. Really so
0: Okay. Yeah, like free. Out of it. Okay.
1: Yeah. So someone in here in the United States can send $100 to someone in El Salvador. They get it like that on their mobile device. They did not have to take a two-hour trip to go somewhere, and they did not risk their life trying to go get money. And they got 99.99% of it. Right now, they take a two-hour bus trip to someplace to get 60% of that money because it costs 40% to get it, and then they got to get back. That's, inc- that's insane. We would never tolerate that because we've got robust systems. Bitcoin fixes this, and that's using Bitcoin. Now, we say, well, why would the people in El Salvador use Bitcoin when it's going to go up in value? Brilliant. Because those people have to live on that money. They don't understand this whole hold that hodl until it. No, that doesn't exist. What is hodl? HODL stands for hold on for dear life. It was actually a mistake on the spelling of the word hold because the guy was drunk. I typed his girlfriend hold and he spelled it H O D L instead of H O L D. So HODL was born.
0: Guy? I need to meet him.
1: I don't remember who he was. He's on Reddit. You can probably Google it and see his name. I don't remember okay. exactly who it was, but yeah, some guy. On and
0: Reddit. so you said there's this lightning network, which is called yes. so... Strike. Let let me break this down a bit. You said it's layer two. How many layers are there to this onion?
1: Well, currently right now there's only two. There's the main blockchain, which is layer one, Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And then there's layer two, which was called the Lightning Network. And it was a solution because what happens is Bitcoin did go through its civil war. Back in the day, there were these two camps. One camp said, we need big blocks because we want more transactions so that we can use Bitcoin as a form of payment. To buy coffee and stuff like that. Bitcoin currently, right now, takes ten minutes to process. So they're like, that's too long. Yeah, process what? A transaction. Say, okay. say, I want to send you. Uh huh. Ten minutes for that money to get from me to you. Okay. Because it has to verify and make sure it's all correct. Make sure someone didn't try and hack in. That's proof of, of work, stuff. right? And
0: there the you go, proof of, of yeah. that. is doing high level mathematics. Right. There you go. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. So. So. Uh, That's layer one. Layer two was created by Blockstream, and it was a way to get away from using the actual blockchain to process transactions. You can do it on layer two. Think of it like this. Right now, this actually happens. Starbucks. Did you know that every time you go to Starbucks and swipe your credit card, they don't process the payment? They hold all those transactions together in a batch, and then they send one big batch to the bank because... That's cheaper because each time they do that, there's a fee associated with it. So they take all these transactions, batch them together, and they send that batch. That's called batching. That's what they sort of done with layer two. They said, we're going to open channels, and these payment channels exist, and nothing really gets transferred until that channel closes. When the channel closes, both parties settle up, and they're done. So that's why it's so fast.
0: So is it sacrificing security
1: for speed? With layer two, you're not. If they would have created bigger blocks on layer one, that would have been sacrificing security for speed, and that's why they didn't do it. Right now, Bitcoin block is about two megabytes, but it actually goes to like four megabytes with what's called SegWit. And so as a result of that, it's two megabytes, but that's where they, they limit it to keep the security. Right.
0: So honestly, I'm not fully getting this. So okay. I'm to explain it's it in okay. words. Okay. So basically... Again, the blockchain is this massive history of everything, right? Yep. And I guess in theory, if the individual blocks in the chain, the example I'm going to use is, um, let's say you have a chain or a rope to tie up a boat, right? And if you've ever seen a big naval ship, you're in the Navy, mm-hmm. obviously, so you have, they have these giant chains, right? Like individual chain links are 300 pounds. It's like, yep. you're not moving that boat. <laughs> you're not doing it, right? Right. right. So that takes a lot of effort. It's very cumbersome, right? So currently, Bitcoin has these large-ish chains, right? Mm-hmm. Which gives it both security, but also makes it harder to transact. So what is the Lightning Network that is on top of this chain? I'm not, I'm not understanding what it does. Yeah.
1: So, so Lightning Network is just a, it's another protocol. Okay. It's software that is connected to the bitcoin blockchain but it runs it's sort of the 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 example they use was sort of like you've got i don't know if it's a good example but you got the freeway and you got like a side road right you can go down this if the freeway is jammed you can go down the side road you go much faster right so that's sort of the way lightning network is called that's built that runs alongside with the bitcoin blockchain it's connected to it but it's not doing transactions on the freeway. You're on the side road. So it's the side, it's called the side chain, is what it's called. Side chain.
0: So going back to the freeway example though, mm-hmm. you only use the side road if the freeway is jammed. So right. is the is the Bitcoin blockchain jammed up and that's why we need lightning?
1: Yes, for the most part. Yeah. The Bitcoin blockchain, like I said, it takes it's really slow, it takes 10 minutes. To process those blocks and since it's moving so slow you want to go faster zip over to the side road
0: and boom you're off and going i, I like how 10 minutes is slow especially when you gave the the western union example it's like people taking a two-hour <laughs> one-way bus ride and it's like yeah this train is slow it's 10 minutes It's, <laughs> like,
1: it's but, the, but that, that shows you uh, the difference between the u.s and the, and, the, and the developing countries right here in the u.s if you like again, the in the woman in starbucks like holy Five minutes to get my coffee i want to zip in and out in one second to walk in the door yes. walk out with my coffee we want things fast
0: yes yes yeah okay so i'm, I'm trying to just destroy bitcoin here you know if you're listening to the it's show hard. send me a message tell me why bitcoin sucks um yeah. there'll be more crypto guests on uh, I, I think one of the best ways to really grok something is to just destroy it yeah. right so let's shift gears to the other side Uh, Actually, I I still want to stay with this for a minute. Um, Who is Bitcoin not for? Who shouldn't get it? Again, Bitcoin, and this is a problem
1: with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is literally for everyone, and people don't get that because people go, well, Bitcoin is $38,000. I can't own a Bitcoin. No, but you can own a Shitoshi, which is literally pennies, because you can buy a very small amount of Shitoshis. As a matter of fact right now, I'll tell you. If I were to pull up a uh, cash app, by the way, folks, go to cash app, get cash app, hit the little fourth little line over at the bottom, and you can go to buy. You can hit a dollar, hit next. Right now for $1, I can buy 2,624 satoshis. Now, if Bitcoin ever gets to where we think it's going to get, and that's the hyper where every Bitcoin is worth 10 million, I mean, no. Every Bitcoin's worth $100 million. a hundred million dollars. A Satoshi's going to be a dollar. So basically, if you bought Bitcoin today, twenty six hundred of them Satoshi's for a dollar. You got twenty 26- six. Well, you got twenty six hundred bucks, basically. So this is what people have to understand: is that Satoshi's mean everything because there is going to be only a limit number of Satoshi's. Two point one quadrillion Satoshi's.
0: Okay. So. So it's really. It, it, it's for the people that's in El Salvador. Well, it's, it's funny because uh, we're, we're, we're coming full circle here, you know, talking yeah. about being friends with people who you didn't also vote for the same person. So if I hear you right, there are people who voted for Donald Trump and Joe Biden who own Bitcoin. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> you think Look at Miami. Miami at the conference right now? They're yeah, in the- I was about to say that.
1: 50,000 people in Miami, I guarantee you got people on both sides of political persuasion.
0: So Bitcoin brings people together. Yes, it does. So it, it's a peace democracy. They
1: call it the peaceful revolution. It is very peaceful to opt out of the system and opt into Bitcoin. And when you do that, you, I'm not gonna use that term because everyone will get all crazy about it, but you, you do not fund the, the existing establishment you fund Bitcoin, which is a peaceful resolution. It doesn't kill anybody. <laughs> what, what,
0: what, is, what is this term? This is a. So, uh, but before we get into that, um, I want to say two weeks ago in the newsletter, yeah. I, I wrote about this idea called the Voldemorts of the Culture War. Right? Have you read Harry Potter? A huh. uh, little not. Okay, really so, so basically, if you haven't read Harry Potter, there's this word Voldemort, which is like the word who you can't say. So they just say, he who must not be named. Right? <laughs> there's all these terms in the Culture War. And part of what I want to do with the show is just fuck it. I'm talking about all the Voldemorts, right? Right. So I have a guess. I have a guess what the word is, but I want to hear you say the word.
1: Well, I sort of said it already, but it's defund, right? I was going to say defund the government,
0: right? Because the governments don't have (laughs) money. I was was wrong. I I thought you were going to say crypto anarchists.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. No, there's a lot of those around.
0: Okay. I I guess I I don't fully understand that concept because I'm thinking like, anarchy often leads to destruction so like let's say we have a a really big solar flare this is also mm-hmm. an argument against bitcoin we have a really big solar mm-hmm. flare or emp this is yep. a fucking fries everyone's computers there goes your bitcoin yep. right
1: but yeah but the problem with that and i tell everybody else trust me if we have an EMP that fries every computer, we got bigger problems than Bitcoin. I promise you that Bitcoin is not going to be the. It's like, oh, what about my Bitcoin? No, we we just fried the entire globe, people. You're, like, making no. You're making too <laughs> much sense. Making too much sense.
0: Okay, so you mentioned this idea of proof of work, right? Yeah. Yep. So proof of work basically means you are able to validate something. Because labor has been performed, and and in this case, yep. it's uh, computational labor, like solving equations. Right? What is proof yep. of stake?
1: Proof of stake is where instead of you using hardware, because in in proof of work is more than that. Proof of work means the capital
0: to I, buy I hardware equipment. Oh, uh, let me. Am I uh, back? I'm I'm back? I'm gonna pause. Okay. So sorry, folks. Um, this is episode two, like I said, I'm a human and I make mistakes and we just did a little audio switcheroo. So to dive back in, you're talking about this idea of proof of stake.
1: Yep. So the okay. so proof of work, like I said, they have to deploy capital for hardware, cooling, internet service, right? All of this money. So proof of work, you're spending a lot of money to solve these equations to get Bitcoin. So that's what the work is. now, for But, proof but of- not
0: always, right? I, I have memories. So in 2013, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm not going to name the, the person's name, but there was a, a classmate of mine at Virginia mm-hmm. Tech who was using a school resource, a high-powered computer in the corporate yep. research center to yep. mine Bitcoins, which if I'm not mistaken, uh, th- the value of, of those assets that he was using the school computers for are in the uh, likely tens of millions.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah exactly.
0: <laughs> so I, I hope Virginia Tech doesn't steal his Bitcoins But uh, <laughs> if I understand correctly uh, Before we get into the, the stake the, the idea of mining the Bitcoin is that mm-hmm. there's 21 million Bitcoins But they're not all out in the wild like mining gold right? right. They are released over time mm-hmm. And the more that get into the wild The harder it is to find more of them Is that right? basically, and, and, and without getting too crazy with it, 21 okay.
1: million Bitcoin, every 10 minutes today, 6.25 Bitcoin come into existence. So if you set your watch, you look at it and you say 10 minutes, there was 6.25 Bitcoin, 10 minutes, 6.25 Bitcoin on time. Never, it never mm-hmm. stopped. 6.25. It used to be <clears throat> 12.5. And then it used to be 25. And then it used to be 50 every 10 minutes, 50 Bitcoin every 10 minutes just like clockwork so
0: mm-hmm.
1: um with with uh as, as those bitcoin come into existence mm-hmm. then the person gets them the miners get them they can then take and sell those bitcoin and then that's the way they buy more hardware to mine more bitcoin and that keeps the whole proof of
0: work system going basically okay so what what is this proof of stake idea
1: so proof of stake means instead of having miners waste the select well, what they say, waste electricity, the whole ESG movement is crazy. But the whole Wait, what, what is ESG? It stands for environmental S is something and governance, um, sustainability, environmental sustainability and governance, ESG. OK, so that whole movement is all freaking out because they're saying Bitcoin is taking up too much energy and blah, 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 so the Elon but,
0: Musk thing, right? Right. Elon Musk. That's the whole. Yeah.
1: So. In order to avoid that process and to say it's bad for the environment, they say, why don't we just allow people to stake a node. So you have a node on the network and that node gets to validate transactions, but instead of mining I can use like Ethereum, for instance, is making the shift from proof of work to proof of stake. If I have 32 ETH, I can control a node, a validating node, that determines the governance of the blockchain and approved transactions. So that's what proof of stake is. But the problem with proof of stake is you're to have a lot of money to do it.
0: So if I understand correctly, a good metaphor for this would be proof of work is like a company making money. They're doing the real labor. And then you have auditors who are just bean counters mm-hmm. roughly. But in this case, the cost of becoming an accountant is a CPA, right? That's really hard to get. Right. And, mm-hmm. and when I was in college, I think, uh, a lot of schools was like 120 credits to graduate, 150 to do the CPA, Mm -hmm. right? So it's roughly another school year. It's like five years of school. And some kids Mm -hmm. would really uh, take a strong workload or they'd come in with extra credits so they'd get their CPA in in four years. So what is a node? Is a node a computer? What's a node? Uh,
1: Yes, a node would be a computer. I can run a node here at my house. Mm -hmm. I get no incentive for that though. There's zero incentive for a node. So if you're just running Why a node, because they believe in the movement and they believe in the technology and they believe in what the community is about and they want, and, and in addition, you want to verify your own transactions. So as if you are running a node, you get to see your own transactions. You get to watch that transaction go from point A to point B, and you can verify that it is in fact true and that everything happened the way it happened on that way you wanted to. So that's, that's why you would run a node. If you run a fully validating node, then you're one of the people who are actually validating those transactions.
0: So what's the difference between a node and a validated node? Uh, some
1: nodes, they just process transactions. Others actually validate those. And some of the validated nodes are also considered miners, but... And again, I don't want to get too far into it because I'll start losing it because I'm not that deep into it and understand Mm -hmm. it 100% from that level. But there are two different types of nodes, just a regular node and then a validating Mm -hmm. node and then
0: miners. So well, the the, the best way to learn something is to say some dumb shit on the internet, right? And someone will fix it. So
1: everyone will tell you that was wrong.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So uh, uh, let's go for it. Um, So if I understand correctly, it's akin to a third-party reseller right? Like you have the Apple store, then you have all the fake junk Apple products, and then you have these authorized resellers, which basically Apple says, Hey, we recognize that so-and-so is selling our products and we trust them. Mm -hmm. So would the validated nodes be like Apple, right? Which I guess would be called the OEM, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have these authorized resellers, which would be like these other nodes. Does that vaguely sound correct?
1: Probably some, something along those lines. Like I mm-hmm. said, I think it, it's, it's probably a lot more complicated than that. Right, but the reality right. is, is that you have to have these pieces in place to run a blockchain properly. And when it comes to proof of stake versus proof of work, mm-hmm. the only difference is that you're not expending energy to do it. You're using money. You're staking the actual asset instead of using energy.
0: Okay. But there's an energetic exchange when you stake that money, right?
1: Uh, I mean, a little bit, I guess you can consider it. But the reality is, it's not, not, you know, on the power grid, Mm -hmm. draining the power grid. It's it's you just saying, I'm going to place a certain amount of money. Mm -hmm. And that means I get votes.
0: Okay. So this environmental group, if I understand right, there's, I guess I'd call it information warfare, which is, at a high level one group is saying bitcoin is bad for the environment right and people who care about the environment like well screw this bitcoin thing i like the trees right and then there's another group that says bitcoin's not bad for the environment but that's kind of like exxon saying that oil is good for us right it's like well hey uh you're an oil company (laughs) (laughs) right it's like uh might there be a conflict of interest here, R- yeah. right? So do you know of any people who don't own a single Bitcoin who think that Bitcoin is good for the environment? Um, I'm sure there are some out there. I don't know specifically, but I think right. there are some out there. The
1: thing that people need to understand too is that Bitcoin is not bad for the environment. Actually, a lot of Bitcoin mining is done with renewable energy. And I'm going to be moderating a panel in about a week with the nuclear energy assembly. And there is a push to get nuclear reactors to provide mining solutions. That way it's done on clean energy and it's scalable.
0: Well, then there's a whole debate of whether nuclear is clean or not, which I'm sure a lot of people- That just, is uh, yeah. Ruffled, got their panties in a knot when you said that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> well, we're yes not we're gonna debate that, that part right now. No, so no, no. So- at a high level, then, um, could you summarize the argument? Like some people saying Bitcoin bad for the trees. Some people saying Bitcoin's good for the trees. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, at the end of the day, like I said, Bitcoin actually helps the system overall because there is a lot of energy that goes to waste. And people are not knowledgeable about this. There's a lot of wasted energy. Bitcoin is utilizing a lot of that wasted energy, which is actually helping the energy like industry. Watching TikToks. Yes. <laughs> watching a lot of TikToks. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. And so if I understand, right, there's maybe, uh, I I don't know if it's akin to the, uh, I guess I'll call it the food crisis, which is as far as I understand globally, we have plenty of food. We suck at distribution, right? Some people are starving and restaurants throw out tons of food every night. So it's a distribution Mm -hmm. issue. Um, okay. So, uh, the moment we've all been waiting for, um, why should I get Bitcoin? Why should I get Bitcoin or any digital assets?
1: Well, again, like I said, for those people that are looking at Bitcoin can trying to consider it, it's about looking at what's going on in the world with money as a whole and understanding inflation. I think if you listen to Jeff Booth talk with Anthony Pompliano and understand the inflation issue, you will understand why you need Bitcoin. And this is what all the intelligent people that have... Again, if you look at what, um, and I'm going to forget their names right now, two huge financial minds um, came to the same conclusion. They said, when we look at this thing, it's actually providing a store of value like nothing else. And the people that's in it, watched it go to 20,000, go all the way down to 3,000, and they're still here. Something's up with this, right? So I think everybody should really pay attention to, if they do nothing more than read, watch and listen, they should do that because they're gonna understand what it's about and they'll know what to do as a result.
0: Okay. So how did you get into, into Bitcoin slash crypto?
1: Yeah, I came across it on Twitter. I think I was either Mike Kaiser or Trace Mayer said something about Bitcoin. I went and looked up the white paper, read the white paper. And like everybody says, once you read the white paper, down the rabbit hole you go, you don't come back out. So that's you, you sent me
0: the white paper, I think, seven years ago, and I was like, probably so, dude. I don't get it. Ugh, this is dumb. And yeah. uh, that's uh, in, in terms of uh, my intellectual life. That is uh, that's up there w- with uh, the most boneheaded things I've ever done. I, I think uh, if I had listened to Paul <laughs> seven years ago. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I wouldn't be doing this podcast from my mom's basement. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
1: it's a weird thing. Some, a lot of people, that's why they tell people all the time too. People like to think that, you know, oh, if I own those 10,000 Bitcoin, I never would have sold them for pizzas. It's like, yes, you (laughs) would have because no one had a clue Bitcoin was going to do this. So there's no way.
0: Right. Okay. So you remember when you bought your first one and, and how it went down?
1: Yep. Uh, bought my first one uh, in 2012, um, and you. What was other? You said when did I buy the first one?
0: Well, oh, oh, and like, and like, how? Like, did you go to the bank and say, "Hey, I want some of these"? Oh no,
1: no, no, no! I used a platform called Circle, and Circle is no longer actually have the same app anymore. But there was an app called Circle, and I used Circle, bought my first Bitcoin, and that's where I did
0: it. So what happened to them? Like, did they? They're dead? Like, because Bitcoin is. Oh getting a bunch circle, of value circle still
1: exists as a matter of fact circle created oh. what's called usdc which is a stable coin which is what i think is going to become the equivalent of the us dollar but no they're still in existence they just moved out of the retail side having a, a, a wallet for you to buy bitcoin with and they're now doing institutional type platforms
0: got it so basically they went from b to c to b to b yes and so when when did they do that
1: uh they went from that was back in i'd probably say 2013 they were they were quickly out so, of the game
0: so if if i understand right the equivalent would be like you have a bank and the bank defaults right and it's like hope you got fdic insurance or oh yeah no, it wasn't like, anything they like, they like gave that gave you your your yeah. coins and so yeah. where did your coins go when they I shifted you- them
1: I shifted them off the platform to a different platform. I think I went to Kraken next. So it was Circle, then I went to Kraken. And you okay. can that's that's the beauty of, of Bitcoin. When you have the private key and the public key, you can move it around.
0: Mm. What's a private key and a public key?
1: So the private key is like your email address. And the the, pri- the public key is like your email address. The private key is like your
0: password. So to accept it, you use a public key. And then to move it around, you use the you use- key. So basically I'd use my private key and release my Bitcoin and transfer it to using your public key. That's it. You say, yes, I would like this. And then you use your private key to to gobble it up into your wallet for for lack of a better word. Okay. All right. So what is DeFi? What's DeFi?
1: It's a decentralized finance. It's, um, and again, just as the term says it's decentralized, it's using a protocol to either lend or borrow money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can do other things with it as well, but it's mostly lending and borrowing of money by using a protocol. So there's no middleman that's involved in this. I can take my assets like Ethereum. I can put it on a platform called MakerDAO. And MakerDAO will put it in a vault and it will produce what's called DAI, which is another stable coin type asset. And I can use that for whatever I want. And I can spend it or I can invest it or I can do whatever but I can also pay that back to the decentralized protocol and get my ETH back. So it's, it's, it's like a company that doesn't exist with anybody in charge of it.
0: Okay, that, that was a real headbanger, but um, I guess the way I understand the concept is, I call it rules-based governance. And I'm mm-hmm. hoping, Yep. That's part it. of me is hopeful that nation states go this way and part of me is terrified, right? Because uh, machines don't right. have this thing we call empathy. <laughs> Yep, they are Empty exactly. of empathy. Right. Yeah. And so what's cool about it though is I hate banks. Okay. If you work for a bank, I'm sorry, but their customer service is terrible. Right. And, and one of the videos you sent me from, I think it was Andreas Antonopoulos. He was like, when you're a grandfather, you'll have a kid that will be like, grandpa, you mean on Sundays you couldn't get your own money? Grandpa, that's crazy, <laughs> right? And I was like, "Oh my God, he is right." <laughs> yeah. Like, that is crazy. It is. Um, and plus, this inflation shit show that we have. So, so this is one thing I've tried to explain to a number of people. Around 1971, right when when we went off of the gold standard, as far as I understand, inflation goes roughly two percent per year, right? And what that means is uh, some people say inflation is a tax on society, right? Yep. So banks, what they used to do when my grandparents were kids was, you give the bank $100, right? And they keep your money safe. But in exchange for keeping your money safe, the bank loans out money to others. And because that makes them money, they pay you a small amount, which we call interest for the privilege of holding your money. Yep. And now that interest is basically zero. I think my savings account is 0.02%. That's trash, right? Plus 2% inflation means over some time period. You know, I, I I wish I could do the math in my head. I wish I was that cool, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, put a hundred bucks in your bank account assuming there's this very, very negligible amount of interest. And that amount of interest is less than the rate of inflation in 20 years. Your hundred bucks is worth something like 70 bucks. Right. And that, that sucks. Right. And um, the banks also, you can tell, I have this kind of crusade against banks, but part of it is, uh, I want to say in a Sim Taleb talks about this idea of uh, public risk, private gain right? Mm-hmm. Like when they mess up, the public bails them out, right? When they win, they win and the public doesn't win,
1: Correct.
0: right? And, and there's this phrase in the crypto community of win and help win, right? Mm-hmm. Banks don't do that. They just win. They don't help anybody win. They just win, yeah. win, 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 win. And so defy, I guess, as an idea protects against corporate greed using rules-based governance. Is that a fair synopsis?
1: That is a great synopsis. And that's exactly what we're starting to shift to. As I said, the digitization of everything is coming and everything is going to get digitized, including corporate infrastructure.
0: Okay. Um, So one last thing I want to touch on is how do you convince non-believers, right? There's a lot of ways you could use social proof, argument Mm -hmm. from authority, coercion, What are the ways that you convince people to get into this digital assets world?
1: Yeah, I mean, some of it, of course, is self driven, right? It's the fact that number goes up, right? And everybody Mm -hmm. likes number goes up. So Mm -hmm. when you tell people number goes up, that normally tends to get some people's attention. But sometimes it takes multiple times for people to hear this and to understand it before they decide. I put a tweet out, I said, What was it that made you decide to get off zero on Bitcoin? A lot of people was either based on who had said it or how they said it. They said something different where they were personally in life at the time. Some people were like, when I first hit about Bitcoin, I didn't have any resources to buy Bitcoin, even if I wanted to buy Bitcoin. So yeah, (laughs) so so the reality is, is that you can tell me I don't get off zero until the situations work themselves out. So the perfect storm helps get people get off zero.
0: Okay, so uh, that was the end of my regularly scheduled programming, but I have a couple more <laughs> questions for you. Um, sure. these, are, these are the juicy ones. Um, yeah. So what I would like to ask is like this, I, I really understand if you're not willing to share, but it's like, sure. what is your net worth in digital assets? right.
1: So the way I answer that is that I tell people that I've gotten to a place where I've been fortunate enough, never Uh in a million years thought I would be there, where, and some people might say it's retirement, right? Well, I'm retired. Uh Uh, All that means is that I have enough resources to be able to do the things that I need to do without necessarily worrying about having a nine to five job or having to work Uh or having steady flow of income come Uh in. So that's pretty much where I put it. I let people know that Mm -hmm. if they're looking at my net worth, I don't have a specific number that I'm willing to tell people, oh, I'm worth, Mm -hmm. you know, $500,000. Right, Um, right. But but I do have enough to meet what I consider my needs. Now, mind you, Mm I'm a single person, no children, no pets. It doesn't require a lot for me to live.
0: (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) And uh, so I I guess uh, a tangentially related question is, scratch the lump sum, right? Total amount. Would you be willing to share, I guess I'd call it your portfolio breakdown by percentage?
1: Yeah. People ask that question. I don't really know Uh specifically, but what I can tell most people is that the majority Mm -hmm. over 50% is Bitcoin, right? And I would even put that number as high as probably 75%. And then I have my next highest one probably would be, believe it or not, Litecoin, uh, because that's, an old school guy right it was bitcoin then it was litecoin that's just what it was i was around when there was only bitcoin that's it nothing else then litecoin came around and then ethereum came around so that's the way my portfolio looks bitcoin litecoin Mm -hmm. ethereum and then a bunch of little other stuff
0: and that's portfolio just of digital assets yes what so i would call it maybe your your total portfolio of all assets Um,
1: I I am I am like Raul Powell I am irresponsibly long digital assets that's all I have
0: okay there you go (laughs) there you go and then uh uh, another uh spicy one so we talked about the vaccine and digital identification and and I felt like that question kind of snuck by earlier uh so so let's just let's just dance with that idea for a bit hypothetically what Yep. What do you think could possibly be occurring?
1: You know, I think people people in this society love conspiracies. We just do. I could tell somebody, I'd be like, "Yo, yo, did you know that eggs actually didn't come from chickens? They came from..." And people are like, "Oh, are you serious?" And before you know it, there's a big conspiracy about eggs don't come from chickens. People would believe right. it. People right. would actually believe it. We gravitate toward conspiracy. So this vaccine thing, I think, has been one huge conspiracy. It's been, you know, pushed by both political parties in just ridiculous ways. Stop it. Guys, did you do this when we had flu vaccines? Did you do it when you had polio vaccines? Did you do it when you had measles vaccines? You didn't do it with any vaccine. Why now are we all of a sudden, oh, it's the big government, they're gonna chip us and stuff. It's just because people don't have anything better to do other than get dabbling to these conspiracies, let them alone, go get vaccinated. It's not gonna kill you. I heard someone on Twitter say, I'm not gonna date anyone. No, he says, I'm not gonna wife any woman who's got the vaccine seriously come on guys you you gotta be this is ridiculous cut it out and i understand the way the way the pandemic happened everyone thinks it was intentional it was on purpose the big pharma they were involved they had Mm -hmm. now they can monetize this i guess i don't have the energy to get wrapped up in that stuff i just don't
0: got it got it so there's the idea that um i guess the 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 vaccine is like putting chips into everybody and you do not subscribe to that idea one bit
1: no because did Uh you look at the needle did you okay net maybe maybe nano micro micro nanobots i I don't i don't know it just it's it's too far of a stretch for me Uh here's the thing let's say that's true Mm -hmm. what are you gonna do you can, you can not get vaccine. Okay, that's good. So don't yeah. get vaccine. And then let's just go. Keep moving forward. That's it. Uh-huh. What, what's the big deal? Why must someone who doesn't want to get vaccine need to tell someone who does want to get vaccine, they're crazy? Why does someone who wants to get a vaccine tell someone who doesn't want to get the vaccine, you're crazy? You do you, boo. Leave me <laughs> <everyone>
0: alone. <laughs> <laughs> you do you, boo. Oh, I like crazy. that. Yeah, I, I guess the, the counter argument to that would be, And this is like the the argument for masks, which is like, uh, my mask protects you. Right. So I guess what someone could say is it's not so much that I'm avoiding a vaccine for my own health is that I think you getting vaccine incurs harm. So I'm going to try to convince you not to get it. And then the other side is you not getting vaccinated cause harm. So I'm going to try to convince you to get vaccinated. Right? Again, it
1: goes back It goes back to the same thing, though. Listen, and this is with all of these hot button issues, abortion, mm-hmm. religious rights, LGBT mm-hmm. rights, the whole nine <clears throat> I get what people are saying, but listen, focus on you. Leave everybody else alone. Right. Now, if, if right. you don't want to get it, don't get it. And if you want to get it, get it. Right. It shouldn't change the game for anybody else. And people say, "Well, it's going to harm somebody else." Again, gonna... hey, again, if you take care of you and you do what you got to do, yeah. if you're so concerned about someone you're coming involved with having the having the the the, the, mm-hmm. the coronavirus and they didn't get vaccine, then wear your mask and protect yourself against them.
0: Okay, I, I think that's fair. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm doing no nonsense. All right. So, in closing. Um, where can people find you, follow you, connect with you, hit them with, with all of it? Sure, sure. I mean, the best
1: way is super simple. I'm on Twitter at, at underscore cryptocurator. So that's at underscore cryptocurator. And on my website, thecryptocurator.com. Thecryptocurator.com has a ton of content on it every day, hand picked by me, hand selected by me. I've been in the industry over 12 years. I understand this stuff. I know what you should read, what you shouldn't read. So
0: check out my website and follow me on Twitter. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks, Brian. Yes, indeed. Hey, folks. This episode is sponsored by online story hour, Pride. This event is free for Pride Month. You may pay up to $50 on a sliding scale if you wish to donate to the Story Collider. My friend and future guest Jamie Banks is featured on the story. I hope you enjoy it. You can go to storycollider.org and the story is also available in an iOS app. And again, that story is free for this month. I hope you like it. I hope you all enjoyed that. One quick thing in closing. drew. Dot com slash juicy. Steg Drew, just like the show, dot com slash juicy. You can sign up for my weekly musings there on all things like we spoke about in this episode and other assorted weirdness. Just drop in your email, stegdrew.com slash juicy. Thank you.